Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. We want to know sometimes uh, what we're going to be known for. Or maybe, maybe you don't go there, but sometimes I think about what, what am I going to be known for? Um, by my grandchildren, by my great-grandchildren, by the different people. You know, bigger question is what does God want us to be known for? Man, I was up at Cherry Lake the other day, and I had this big fish on. Big fish on. <laughs> Some of you don't know it, but uh, maybe you don't care. But uh, around the, the mountains around the valley here, they've been stocked with uh, Rio Grande cutthroat trout. Right? And um, so the last uh, five or six years, I've kind of got obsessed uh, with going to the lakes and uh, most of the lakes around here, I've been five or six times, and so I kind of know where the holes are now. I kind of know where, where, the, where the big ones lay. And I've been, I've been excited about chasing down these fish, you know, and I've gone to some lakes that I, I've done some things that I haven't told my wife, some of the risks I've taken, because in my mind, you know, like, man, there's, there is a state record out there somewhere. And there's a few lakes that I haven't got to, gone to because they're too dangerous, but maybe, maybe one of you would go with me one of these days, bring some rope and some rappelling uh, gear, and we'll get there. Um, but, uh, man, I, you know, maybe one day that, because I, I, that cherry lake fish, man, it was, it was big. I lost it, though, before I got to shore. I was so disappointed. Uh, but when you step back from that, you know, some of the things we want to be known for in this world are worldly things. Like when, when, I, when my, it t- comes time for my obituary to be written, I hope that people don't write in my obituary that he loved to fish. What's that about? Who cares? I hope that when I come to die and my obituary is written that uh, it'll be written about me that he cared about the things of God, that he cared about what God cared about, that he was, he was a man who was known for God's heart, God's love, a love of people, the things that really matter. Please, uh, my grandbaby's sitting in the balcony, please don't write in my obituary that I just love fishing. Wouldn't that be tragic to be known for that? What does God want us to be known for, as it were? What, how does he want us to live? What kind of people does he want us to be? Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. That fish was big, man. <laughs> Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, 
You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Pause there for a second. If you're familiar with the Gospels, as Jesus toured Galilee, as he, as he went from place to place, some of the religious leaders would often, uh, whether it be Pharisee or Sadducee, or here we have a, a scribe, an expert in the law, a lawyer. This is a, a, a lawyer in Mosaic law, an expert in how to uh, interpret and apply Mosaic law. He comes to Jesus, and, and most of them aren't very sincere when they come. They're coming to put Jesus to the test. They're trying to trap him in his words. They're trying to expose him as a fraud. They're trying to show how he is not the Messiah by his abuse or, dis or, or wrong interpretation of the law. This guy, he's not sincere. It's an insincere question. But nevertheless, he comes and he says, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, eternal life, life that goes on forever. He want, what do I do to inherit that? How do I get that eternal life? Uh, it's maybe a little bit different question that, that maybe we would say today. You know, how am I saved? How do I be, get forgiveness of sins? How do I enter into the kingdom of God? How do I be, be with God forever and ever? Uh, forgiven, justified, received, loved. Uh, you know, all, all the things we talk about in the New Testament. But nevertheless, it's, it's a similar question. How do I, how do I live a life? How do I... And, and you see that how he asked it, what do I do to get it? Uh, we, we spent a lot of time, you can go back and review last week's sermon. We talked a lot last week about this idea of the, the falsehood of, of a works righteousness that we can earn that. I call it a, a law-keeping legalism. He, he's got this law-keeping legalism mentality that God gave his law, and if I do it well enough or I do the right things in the right order, uh, just, just right, I can be saved or I can inherit eternal life. So again, it's not a sincere question. He, he doesn't really care maybe what Jesus' answer is. He's just hoping to, to catch him in, in a falsehood or, or, or embarrass Jesus or discredit him before people. But it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating question. What do I do to get that? Uh, maybe you're here today and you have no, no hope of life after death. Maybe you're here today and, and you aren't you, you, you know you're not forgiven. You know you're not righteous in God's sight. And maybe you're wondering, how, when I die, how am I going to be, be with God? How am I going to enter that heaven? A holy God, and I'm not a holy person. How do I? How, and maybe, maybe you've been kind of a person like, well, maybe I need to start coming to church. Or maybe I start, need to start doing better. Or maybe I need to start, you know, all the law-keeping legalism that comes from our culture and our society and our heritage. Um, Maybe you need to hear how to be saved. So we'll run down that path a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the guy says, you know, hey, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Now, that's really interesting. Like, he, he knows the guy is an antagonist. He knows the guy isn't, isn't looking for truth. He's just trying to, you know, tra trap him. So what do you do in, with people, like if you're in an apologetic situation or you're sharing the gospel, or, or maybe you go to work and you're the only Christian there, you're always getting beaten up and people are asking you questions to, to mess with you or, or put you down. Well, Jesus uses a method here where he answers a question with a question. <laughs> right? Well, Mr. Expert in the Law, right? he's, he's appealing to his pride. How do you interpret the law? 
So he, he gives it back to him. And, and I see this guy, you know, he, he's come full of himself and, oh, let me tell you. And so what does he say? The, the, the expert in the law, the lawyer who's, you know, five-star rated lawyer or whatever, he answers him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Uh, it, okay. Uh, really interesting here is, is Jesus has already been there and done this. Uh, people came to Jesus. Uh, you can write down Matthew 22, I think starting in verse 34 or 37. Matthew 22, verse 34, following. Uh, somebody said to Jesus, yeah, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered the same way. Uh, Jesus came uh, from uh, the same vantage point. Like uh, he went back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5, the Shema, and he said, you know, this is what, this is what Moses said. You know, this is, this, is, this is the big commandment is to love God. And there's different places where there's three kind of qualities. You know, here it's, it's, it's four. Um, love the Lord your God with your heart. You know, the heart is, is really the control center in the Hebrew way of thinking. We'd call it the mind in some ways. But the will or the volition, love Him with, with, your, with your will. Uh, loving with your soul, that, that's always been a strange one for me. I don't know how to describe that. Self-consciousness, is that your emotions? It's, it's the center of who you are in some ways. With all your strength, right? So your physical strength, your ac- actions, your activities, love them that way. With all your mind, with your intellect, with your cognitive abilities, you know, so, so what, what the, the sum, summation of that is, is loving with everything you got. Loving with your whole heart, you, everything you are. Is, is the you know, way to summarize that. But Jesus answered in the same way. So Jesus said, yeah, man, that's, that's correct. And the guy follows it up and, he, and he, goes, he goes from Leviticus 19. If you've ever read Leviticus, there's about seven or eight chapters in Leviticus in the middle of Leviticus called the Holiness Code. It's kind of an ethical standards for the Israelites. This is how God wants you to live um, sexually, uh, financially, uh, relationally, in all kinds of ways. So he goes there and he, and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and Jesus, Jesus said the same thing when he was asked. So he's like, yeah, you have answered correctly. Do this and live. Uh, some have wondered uh, why Jesus said the thing he did there. Uh, is he, you know, it comes across as, is he substituting like a new Summarized form of legalistic law keeping? Is he, is he you know, because he, the lawyer goes back to the law and says, the law says this. And, and the, the, the question was, even though it was insincerely asked, was, what do I do to live? And he said, he said, well, I think the law says, love God and love people. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. Do it and you'll be saved. It's maybe how we interpret it. Um, so some people say, well, why didn't Jesus just cut to the chase? When the guy said, how shall I enter life? How shall I get eternal life? Jesus could have said, hey, repent of your sins and believe in me. Right? Why, why go the long way around? Well, I think Jesus, the master teacher, he understands people's questions. He, he knows the man isn't really seeking. And so he has to come in maybe a different angle, you know, to get his attention because if he says, hey, repent of your sins and believe in me, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Lord, I'm going to go to the cross to save you, you know, the guy might, shh, he might move on to the next question. So he says it in a way like, uh, hey, you've answered correctly. 
the law does say, love God with everything you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Go ahead and do it. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, the guy's thinking, you know, I, maybe Jesus' tact, his way of thinking about it is, is like, uh, if, if someone really thinks about keeping the law, if they're humble, if they're realistic, they'll realize how impossible it is. For instance, have you loved God with everything you are, everything, your physical powers, your mental powers, your, your emotions? Have you loved God to this point with everything you are? Of course not. Have you loved other people the way you've loved yourself? Of course not. And so I think what Jesus is saying to the guy is, hey, you're right, the law says that. Go ahead and try it. I double-dog dare you. Do it. And, but if the guy's humble enough, he, he, the answer should be, well, who could do that? I, I, I can't do that. And then Jesus could have said, exactly. That's why you need a righteousness, not your own. You need forgiveness from the outside. You need an alien righteousness because you're not righteousness. You're not righteous of yourself. You need to be given a righteous standing from the outside. And you can do that by trusting in me. But the guy didn't answer that way, did he? He tried to justify himself. He, he, he raises another, another question. And justify himself like um, to feel good about himself, to, to make himself feel like he could maybe be a law-keeping, uh, save himself through, through his own righteousness. Well, who's my neighbor? And if you think about that question, what is he asking? He's saying, he's saying not everyone's my neighbor, are they? And really, this question, it's entering, uh, by Jesus' day, it's already an ancient debate among the rabbis. Because they would go back and forth, who, who is my neighbor? Because they'd go back to Leviticus 19 and that, the, those, those, that holiness code, and it's always talking about the neighbor or the Ten Commandments. Right? The second, the second panel of the Ten Commandments, you know, you shall not steal, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you know, shall not covet, you know, these kind of things. It's directed towards your neighbor. Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't commit adultery with your neighbor. You know, it's, it's neighbor-focused. And so they'd wrestle with, well, who's my neighbor? Whenever people start look, walking down a road of legalism, of earning salvation, they always look for the minimum basic requirement. Like, what's the minimum I have to do to be righteous? And the Pharisees were famous for that. Maybe you know some Pharisees today who are famous for that. Like, I'm keeping the law, but they're keeping the bare minimum. And you remember the Sermon on the Mount. Right? When Jesus called the Pharisees out on this. Like, you've heard it said, you know, do not commit murder. But then Jesus would dive into the full meaning of murder. It's not just literally taking a life. It's like, if you're angry at somebody, that's a, a, a part of murder. About taking someone's life, ruining somebody. Ending them, as it were. So, so the, the, the law keeper, the, the, the expert of law, well, who's my neighbor? He's, he's trying to delineate. He's trying to get Jesus to say, whom he doesn't have to love, whom he doesn't have to care about, whom he doesn't have to serve, whom, whom he doesn't have to be neighborly to. So it's a prideful question. It's, a, it's, a, it's an arrogant question. He still thinks he can... You know, again, his question was insincere, so his heart's not in seeking. He's not, but now he's in the battle. He's in the fight, you know. So he throws back another punch. Well, who's my neighbor? Boom. 
Uh, Jesus answered this in, in various ways. Um, he, he's already been there and done that. Uh, in Luke 6, there was a passage, you know, sometimes it's colloquial known as, as ser- Sermon on the Plain. And in, in, in Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6 is generally directed towards Gentiles. Um, and in, in Matthew 5, it's uh, more towards the Jewish uh, neck of the woods or the Jewish people in, in Israel. If you look with, with me to Matthew 5, verse 43, just as you know, there's this question like, who's my neighbor? Jesus has already answered it in so many different ways, but here's one of the famous ways. Uh, in, in responding to some of the Pharisees and their questions and, and the, the, the culture, the tradition of the day of, of trying to be legalistic to the lowest common denominator, um, Jesus says, hey, the rabbis are saying that, that, that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. You know, with the neighbor being Israelites. Because in, in, in Jesus' day, of course, in Israel, the Romans had come and they've got garrisons of soldiers. And there's a lot of Gentiles from different places. And the, uh, you know, the group of people are saying nationalist, kind of national, we might call them nationalist Christians today or something like that, that only, only, only worried about the, the, the people of our nation kind of deal or only caring about these kind of people instead of a wider audience. <clears throat> they say, hey, we can hate the Romans, but we've got to love one another. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you because his audience had been persecuted, so that you may be sons of the Father who's in heaven. That's, that's quite a statement. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Like, if you love your family members, well, that's not, that's not super spiritual or anything. You know, even the, even the pagans do that, even, even lost people, even evil people love their own. Tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? And then, you know, there's a big part of that sermon. You, sh- you must be perfect because your Heavenly Father is perfect. Another place where He's calling them to be perfect in keeping the law so that they realize that they need grace, that they need forgiveness that comes from God, not through their own righteousness. But Jesus said, hey, you, you want to know who, who your neighbors are? It's, it's even your enemies. It's even that person down the street that their dog keeps getting out and killing your chickens. Or whatever. Or the guy who got to your fishing hole before you. You're supposed to love them too. <sighs> so, so Jesus has a, a, you know, an answer for the guy. And, and uh, you know, parables, it's really interesting why parables are told. Uh, parables or stories are told sometimes because it, the hard-hearted have a hard time uh, seeing the truth within them. If they're already set in their ways, sometimes parables are told to confirm them in their unrighteousness. Uh, but sometimes parables are told to bring out people that are seeking, that are looking for God, that are wanting to know the truth. Parables come to us, and, and so a truth in a way that you can digest if you're seeking, if you're looking, if you're hearing. So back in Luke 10, he, uh, he has a response to the guy who just says, well, who, whom, whom do I, don't I have to love? Whom don't I have to care for? Who are my neighbors? You've got to give me some, some guidelines here. 
Because I can't love everybody, can I? So in verse 30 of chapter 10 of Luke, he says, uh, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Uh, notice there, before we move on, that uh, there's, it's just a man. Uh, the only kind of anonymous person in this text and I think Jesus, the master storyteller, the master teacher, he wants us to see in the man, we don't know if he's Samaritan, we don't know if he's Jewish, we don't know if he's Roman. He wants to see humanity, every man, every woman. Uh, the man was leaving City Market and the, the woman was exiting uh, Del Nord High School and we don't know who she is or, or who he was. You know, the, he's, he's setting us up to see a bigger picture. He doesn't say this righteous Jewish man was, was going down the road. No, it's just this anonymous man. We don't know who he is or where he's coming from or what is, if he's a moral person or an immoral person or whatever. Uh, but the robbers came and they left him half dead. They stripped him of all he had. And what a tragedy. Verse 31, now by a chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the side uh, to the place, saw him and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, a medicinal, they thought oil and wine had medicinal properties back in the day, and I guess they might to a degree. Then, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took him out, uh, gave two denarii, and, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. <clears throat> Stop there, please. So uh, uh, it's, it's a classic story. You've heard it many times, but it never gets old, does it? Thinking about who my neighbor is. The question, so the question is, it's no longer, how do I get eternal life? Jesus isn't telling us how to be saved. He's, the, the question is, who's my neighbor? So this is the question he's, asking prim, he's answering primarily. But there's, there's going to be a twist at the end uh, of uh, how, how Jesus turns us around in, in a unique way as he, as he typically does. <clears throat> But uh, notice that uh, the man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, so Jerusalem to Jericho, about 17 miles. You lose, I don't know, like, maybe like 3,500 feet or 3,300 feet or whatever. That's like going from the, the trailhead at Cherry Lake up to the lake kind of deal. <clears throat> and there's some big fish. That, but that's, that's beside the, the, the point. Um, uh, it's, it's a long journey, but he's going down, so he's leaving Jerusalem. And, and notice, notice how... Um, <clears throat> Uh, the, the guys, the, the priest was going down that road, uh, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, and a Levite apparently was going down too. In other words, uh, here's these, uh, these men that are, you know, they're, they're high status, as it were. They're, they're high status in the Jewish world, a priest and a Levite. The, these are pious men that they're serving God. Uh, you, you could insert some different people today if you're trying to make an analogy or a parallel you know, the supposedly are, are pious and righteous <coughs> pastors. <coughs> supposed to be of certain character, certain elders, <coughs> deacons, you know, you fill in the blank. But they're going down. It seems like they've already served at the temple. You know, there's rotations of priests that would go to Jerusalem for a certain season. That they, then they'd go back to farming some of the Levites, uh, they, they would serve, and then they'd go back to farming or agriculture or whatever their, their full-time job was. 
Uh, they, they've already, so, so the excuse sometimes has been like, well, these men, they didn't want to become unclean. They, 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 they didn't want to, you know, they had, they had a service to do, and if you touch a dead body, you're going to be unclean. You have to go through the cleansing rituals that uh, the, the law prescribed. But the, it seems like they're already, they've already done their work at the temple, and they're, they're heading home, so I don't know if that's accurate. But the text doesn't tell us. But nevertheless, the pious, the righteous, the holy ones, they see a man uh, that he might be alive, he might be dead, but they don't even, they don't even check. You know, and that's, that's me sometimes, I, you know, to be honest, and maybe that's you sometimes. Like, uh, I, I, I was very much humbled when I was uh, in Bible college back in Portland, Oregon, uh, many moons ago. Uh, there's an acquaintance, I can't say I knew him very well, but I had some classes with him. He, he made a point to try to live out this parable. And one rainy night outside of Portland on, on 80, I-84, uh, he stopped to change somebody's tire, um, and, and he got struck by another car and killed. You know, I always remember that. I always just like this guy, he was living this life. Um, you know, love is risky. L- to, to love somebody means you're, you're putting yourself at risk. It, it means you're, 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 you're opening your life up to things that you normally wouldn't. Or you're, you're giving up things that are, are important to you. And, and I, I've been in these situations. Well, I don't have time for you right now because i got this important appointment. Or I don't have time to help there uh, because I've got this pre-scheduled thing that I want to honor. And it's true, you know. So I, I look at these guys and, and maybe they, they were living a life like, man, we, we can't stop because we've got obligations. We've got things we've got to accomplish. And, and their world was much slower than ours. I can't even imagine sometimes the, the, the dilemmas we face today, right? The schedules we're trying to keep, boom, boom, boom. I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to listen. I don't have time to hear. And, and we pass right by. Even those of us who are supposed to be doing this as, as a vocation or a job or we're supposed to live this kind of deal. So, so it's tragic and it's ugly and it's sad, right? Um, and so the, 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 the lawyer is probably saying, yeah, that's, that's a bummer. But he doesn't expect what comes next. But, verse 33, a Samaritan. <laughs> you realize that calling someone a Samaritan among Jewish people back then was a, was a, was a slur, was a, the ultimate put-down, was a curse word, was a, you're a Samaritan. You know, you, you, get a, you can insert your favorite racial, you know, groups that are against each other and how they slur one another. Samaritan kind of deal. Uh, they were hated by the Jews. The, Samaritan hated, the Samaritans hated the Jews. You know, both parties were you know, just uh, at odds for hundreds of years against each other. There's a long history there. Um, but, but Jesus, you know, again, he's, he's like, I'll tell you what a neighbor is. A Samaritan, a totally unexpected uh, person, he comes down the road. He came to where the man was. Uh, the priest and the Levite, they saw, they, they observed, but they passed by. But this guy... I mean, it's just the incredible the depth that Jesus fits into a few sentences. When he saw him, he saw him. How many times have I not seen people in need? Like, I see him, but I don't want to see him. This guy saw him, and he's, oh, he had compassion. He, he, he acted. Not only did he have compassion, have mercy on the man, he went to him and bound up his wounds. Uh, pouring on oil and wine. Here's this guy half dead, you know, and, and uh, 
He takes the time. You know, I, I know donkeys probably don't travel very fast, right? He's maybe not losing a whole ton of time in the, in the big scheme of things, over 17 miles. But he stops and he pauses and he, he chooses to love this man he doesn't know. Now, now again, Jesus says he set the story up like this anonymous man, this, this, he could be a, a, a Jew, he could be a, a Roman, he could be a Samaritan. We don't know. But he stops because this is his neighbor. And if I've ever passed you by, I, I apologize. If I've ever walked past you and treated you as, as unimportant, or if, I, if I've not loved you as, as you needed to be loved, or if I haven't served you as you needed to be served, I, I apologize. But we, we can all relate to the priest and the Levi, but the Samaritan, it's such a beautiful thing. He, uh, he sacrificed greatly. He set him on his own animal. Now, I don't know, maybe... I, who knows, maybe the guy's overweight, maybe, you know, it's a hill. To put, you got, your, you got your, your motorized transportation, and I'll walk and you ride, <laughs> so to speak. Was that several miles to the inn? I don't know. if they're going, Maybe they're going downhill, right? They're, they're heading to Jericho, so maybe it's not as bad as I picture, but he puts the guy on the, on the, on the animal instead of himself. And then he took out two denarii. Now, I don't know what the exchange rate, denarii to whatever, uh, is, but some, some estimate that it's, it's, uh, it's two weeks' worth of, 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 of you know, free stay at a hotel. Who, who, who does that? Right? Who, who pulls out, hey, here's some money for two weeks, uh, take care of this guy. And beyond that, he says, if he needs anything else, I will pay you when I come back. So it's a, it's a multi-week, it's a big picture thing. And he doesn't know the guy from Adam, right? He doesn't know who this is. Maybe the guy, maybe he's going down to Jericho to go to the river to go fishing. Whew, the things we pour ourselves into that, that aren't about love. They're all about us. I mean, uh, start running down this path. Uh, we don't want false guilt. We don't want to... You know, God gives us this world to enjoy. There's so many beautiful things. He gives gifts uh, freely. Uh, we don't want to come across as, as uh, pouring on guilt or where God doesn't want us to. But I sometimes certainly feel guilty by some of my pursuits in the name of myself rather than in the name of love. What am I known for? I hope I'm known for someone who loves. I, ho I hope I'm known as someone who cares about God, who loves God and loves people. It's, it's a big deal, right? He, he went down, he, he take care of this man, I'll pay you when I come back. And wow, wow. Who, who's my neighbor? Obviously, he's, Jesus is implying or suggesting, like, it's everybody. And you step back from that, and boy, this is a whole separate sermon, but have you ever felt like there's so many needs that you feel so overwhelmed that you don't do nothing? Like you start watching the news and like, well, I, yeah, I could give to that orphanage. I could become a missionary there. I could, uh, I could uh, go serve in Appalachia or, you know, I could go to inner city Denver and serve. I could, I could serve. But then you get so overwhelmed. It's like you freeze up and you don't do anything. And I don't think God means for me to save the world. <laughs> I don't think he means for you to be uh, a, a person that's, you know, you got you to gotta keep, you got you to gotta mortgage, you got you to roof over your head, you got to pay the bills, you got to go to work, you know, you got normal everyday life that you got to accomplish, you got to take care of your kids, you got to 
take care of your animals, et cetera, et cetera, all, all the things that are important. <clears throat> but but there, there should come a point where, you know, this, this love for a neighbor, it, it does come out in some way. It could be small ways. It could be random ways. It could be like, who's gonna, God going to bring along my path today that I'm going to step out of the car and change the tire for somebody or I'm going to love them in this way. If that's never part of our life, there, there's a problem. If, if we're never loving people in the way that, that, we sh that God loves us, you know, what, what is a response to what Jesus did for us on the cross? Uh, the, not a response for you know, trying to earn more righteousness because we've already been set free. We've already been made righteous. The response is to love, to meet needs, to, to serve God by serving others. If we never do that, that something's off because, man, this, this love that we've been given, this eternal love, this, this incredible love, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me to, so I could have life. And if I don't respond to that by living the way God wants me to live, something's wrong. I'm not getting it. So, yeah, there's, there's all, every, every, every year there's all these wars and all these famines and all these horrible things that are happening. But maybe there's one person that God's going to bring along this week that you don't know. Maybe, maybe even your enemy. Maybe they gossiped about you in high school. Maybe they tried to steal your boyfriend in high school or something. I don't know. And they're your enemy still. Or, or may, maybe somebody ripped you off. You know, in, the, in our small community, you know, business owners and contractors sometimes step on each other's toes and they don't see eye to eye on things. And but maybe that, that person that is your enemy, so to speak, maybe you love him in a certain way this week in Jesus' name. You know, that's where the Spirit of God prompting us and leading us. And am I attuned? Do, do I start my day looking for the opportunities to, to be a neighbor? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you fill, fill that, that, that gap or think about your life. If it's always consuming, in America, the, the world's consumer central, right? If I'm always taking in, if it's always about my individualism, about my glory, about what I'm known for. Woe to me if I live my life to have a, a, a fish that's a trophy. Man, woohoo! Yeah, my obituary, he caught the state record. Who cares? Well, I might care a little bit. If I'm being honest. But love. What, what is love? Love is a decision, it's a, it's a choice of the will, and it, it can include emotion, but a choice of the a will to seek the benefit of, of some object, of some person. If, if I, it's, you know, we're not talking about the mushy-mushy kind of Disneyland love kind of a thing, Hollywood love. We're, we're talking about it's a choice of the will to seek the benefit of another, to seek God's glory. If I love God, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to live a certain way, for His benefit, for His glory. If I'm loving people, I'm choosing, and my emotions get involved, of course, because I, I can't detach myself from my emotions, but it's a way of living where I'm seeking someone's benefit, whether it's my grandbaby, or whether it's the neighbor down the street, or maybe <clears throat> even, even uh, maybe, maybe I'm prejudiced against somebody. Maybe I grew up in a home where I, I, I was taught a prejudice against somebody or a, a certain group of people or, or somebody that hurt me or hurt my family and I've been prejudiced. You know, when we become Christians, those things are supposed to shift and change to where even that person, 
come, I overcome my prejudices and overcome my, my, my you know, wrong thinking about people. And I love, I choose to love for their benefit. As Jesus chose to love me and all my wickedness and all my hatred of God, he came and he bridged the gap and he went to that cross and he died for a sinner like me. He died for his enemy so that I could become a child of God, so that I could be forgiven, so I could be saved. And again, as we start off the service, maybe, maybe you haven't come to that place yet. As a sinner, you don't know how to be forgiven. You don't know how to be justified. You don't know how to be saved. That's where Jesus would say to you, repent and trust in him. He paid it all. Believe in what he's accomplished. Put your faith in him and he will save you. Believe in Jesus for salvation. He will save you. But the, the, the yeah, I mean, the, I, I imagine the guy, man, standing there like, whoa, why did I come today? <laughs> why, did I, why, did I, why, why did I get on the, on the donkey today to go meet with Jesus to test him, to mock him, to, to make, make him look like a fool because now I'm just blown away. Now I know who my neighbor is. It's not the small circle of people that I share blood with or I share a home with or that look like me or, or have the same hobbies as I do. Or You know, right now in America, we've become so tribal. Like, we're not a melting pot anymore. We're all these different amalgamations of, of, of people living in communities, like Crestone Rock, all these different rocks that are melted together in a strange way, but we're not together really anymore like the tribalism of America keeps growing. I got my, my little tribe here. I'm, I'm gonna, not going to love those people. I got my little tribe here. Whatever, however you designate yourself or however you identify in these days, in the terminology of the days. Here's my people and those people. No, Jesus turns it around. and Those people are his people that he's called us to love and serve in his name. Uh, he, he does have a twist here at the end. If you look at verse 36 that we should hear because it's, it's for us. <clears throat> he asked the, the man a question. Now, he, the question was, like, who's my neighbor? So he asked another question. <laughs> Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Isn't that interesting? Like, the question was, who's my neighbor? He's saying, who proved to be a neighbor? And the man doesn't have any choice. He's been painted in the corner, and he has to say, he doesn't say the Samaritan, because that might go too far, to acknowledge that, that the people that he hated were actually doing the will of God. And it's a parable, of course, but he says, the one who showed him mercy, yes. And so Jesus says to him, you, go. You be the neighbor to someone else now. It's not like all these people out... You be the neighbor. You go and do likewise. And I, I, you know, it would be fascinating to know if, if the guy asked a follow-up question on salvation or if he pushed him again, but what a powerful thing. I'm called to be your neighbor in Jesus' name. I'm not called to consume or, or live the American dream of getting more and more and more to the nth degree as, as we've been, you know, maybe taught again and again by, by, by the marketers of our day. I'm, I'm to be a neighbor. You're to be a neighbor in Jesus' name. And isn't, isn't the best life found in giving and serving and loving others 
if it's all about me and everything I consume, and if I'm taking from you and grasping for you and using you for my ends, that's, that's a death life. That's a, that's a, that's a demonic life. That, that's a fallen life. Be a neighbor, Jesus says. What, what are you going to be known for? What, are, you, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are your grandkids going to talk about you? Uh, in what way someday? Well, he just kept building houses. He, he, he left me to go fishing. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be tragic if your kids talked about you that way? What are you going to be known for in Jesus' name? Well, maybe in some fashion. Man, he, he really knew how to love people. He really knew how to love God. And please let that be written in my obituary. And to God's glory, may he see me as, as someone who responded to him well and lived the Jesus life well. Luke, would you please come? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we, uh, we are, are stunned by, as Greg said, the communion today. Uh, as he talked about what we're celebrating there, we, we are absolutely in, in blown away, uh, we should be, by the perfect one, the, the, the eternal one from heaven coming to uh, live, this, live our life, to, to go to the cross, to die in our place. We're, we're stunned by that, Lord, that, that you would love us so. And maybe, Lord, may, maybe give us the grace, maybe give us the power to, to see that, <laughs> make us aware that you call us to do the same thing. Lord, uh, we, we know that we look at this and, and uh, all the needs, it, it's impossible. And I, I think you want us to say that. You want us to see that, that I know myself, Lord. How, how do I love? How, how can I be this kind of man? I, I can't know myself. But, but then you tell us you've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us the power we need. You've given us the grace we need. You've given us everything we need to, to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. So, Lord... <laughs> Lord, uh, for all of us who, who want to be that, that, uh, that neighbor to, to others, we ask for your, that you'd fill us, Holy Spirit, that you'd give us power, Holy Spirit, that you'd give us uh, love beyond ourselves, that you'd give us uh, a heavenly love, a, a divine love, a, a love for people that isn't found in us. <clears throat> Lord, to your glory, to your praise, to your honor, may life after life be helped and, and person after person be changed and and served and blessed and graced by you through us. And Lord, we could even ask that you'd make us that kind of a church, not a consuming church, not an inward-focused church, but a, a church that loves again and again and again our community and our neighbors to your glory. May it be, Lord. Send us out as your people this week. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life.
his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.